time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 49, can you believe it, of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. I kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Colombian. It's Colombian. (laughs) It's strong and we need it. That's why. You ready to sip some coffee and talk? Absolutely. Let's do it. What's new? What's new is Gertie laid an egg. She did. (laughs) Well, she laid multiple eggs. She's laid four eggs in the last week. Super excited because this actually means that her body is working yes. normally. Yes. So when us all started going on, we prayed and prayed. We're like, look, just let her survive. Mm-hmm. I don't care if she never, never lays have... an egg. Exactly. I must said, have said that 50 times. I'm like, look, I don't care if she never lays an egg again. I just want her to make it through this. Mm-hmm. And when she laid that egg the other day, I was jumping up and down. That's fantastic. I did post about it on Instagram. Very, very happy news. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Yeah. Rebecca was thrilled. Yes. So you know who else has started to lay eggs? Who was that? The Egyptian Fayumis. Oh. Now that's a laugh to me because as we talked about back in our very first December bonus episode, Egyptian Fayumis usually start laying around five months of age. Well, not these girls. They waited. They were the last of this year's pullets to start laying. Well, not technically. Martha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't counting the Nankins. No, you're right. I wasn't counting the Nankins. Martha has not laid yet, though. That should be any day. Yeah, I mean, she's a lot younger, but I thought by now she would be laying an egg. I thought so, too. But, you know, heritage breeds, some of them surprise you. In some places, you read that the Fayumis lay a white egg and others a cream. Right. It is actually sort of creamy, pearly white. And it is pearly. It has this pretty shine to it. It, That's awesome. They're really beautiful little eggs. Yeah. So Delilah and Zara are officially laying. And now that the weather's cooler, we are back in the garden again, putting in beds. I'm trying. Not everybody's going to know this, but I did take a pretty bad fall. Oh, that's right. A little while ago, a week or so ago. Two weeks from now, this is going to be over. But as we're recording this, you have your leg propped up. Yeah, I actually thought I broke my ankle. Mm Mm-hmm. And the chickens just watched me. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what are you doing down there, lady? I was out at the chicken run. And I had my chicken crocs on and the side hit the paver that goes around our chicken runs. Yeah. And it went the wrong way. And I was on the ground. And thank goodness Joe was working from home Mm -hmm. because I couldn't move. And by the end, I felt like one of those football players being carted off. Going out of the gator. The gorilla wagon (laughs) had to pull me back to the house. (laughs) I can laugh about this now. Not funny then, but yeah. My ankle is black and blue, and it's still about double the size. It's pretty big when you have a softball instead of an ankle. (laughs) It's it's a look over there. There it is. I see the toes. You so, really need to fill in around those pavers with mulch. I know. I need something because mulch. I have tripped so many times this time. I've tripped off of them too, but not the way you did. This time it was like hardcore. Yeah, you went down hard. We'll put this out there. Joe did take a selfie of himself pulling me back in the wagon. I'm sorry I laughed at that, but it really was funny. <laughs> I was least, trying to be like the good bestie and like give him a stern look. That's not funny, but I just cracked up. It was so funny. At least so it funny. was the back of my head and not my face. Well, it looks I, very pretty. Your hair's up in a bun. I was crying my <laughs> oh, eyes no. out while he took it because I honestly <laughs> thought I broke my ankle. Yeah, sprains are really bad. They hurt. Yeah. So every day it's a little bit better. So. Yeah. 
I need to be moving and it's hard because I'm never stopping. Yeah. So the first few days we had so much to do and I was like, oh my God, I got to get moving. But I'm recouping. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to wallow in it. My foot's up on two pillows right now. Sure is. I've been out with the chickens. So yeah, it's all good. So what's up with you besides dealing with me with my foot up? We are working like crazy uh, around the front of the house. We ordered this heavy hoe that's sharpened on three sides. Gardens are going in. Things are happening. I'm excited. I mean, it's all good. It's fall. We have been talking around the seasons all year. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because we're like, okay, the countdown to spring from winter. And then there wasn't really a countdown. Summer just happens. And you're like, okay, I love summer, but I got to get through. It's too hot. Oh, yeah. And it was the countdown to fall. And now right. we're sitting in fall. So it's really good. Yeah. The weather's it's nice. nice. It's nice enough to work outside. Yeah. yeah. We I like love it. watching the leaves blow around. Everything is colorful right now. It looks really pretty. It does look really pretty. We could just take a minute to ask everybody a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, Head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. And you know what? Shout out to Darcy Davis, who left us a review not too long ago. Oh, yeah. We love all of our reviews, but that one's fantastic. We love when an experienced chicken keeper tells us how much they love yes. the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, we call each other every time there's a new one. We do. And we say, woo! Yay! That's what <laughs> that's what we say. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can visit our Etsy shop. We have some of our beautiful t-shirts and a few of our logo mugs left. We do. And they're awesome. You can also visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership there. And the other thing you can do to support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of November, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, COFFEE20, for 20% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other offers. If you haven't heard, Grubly Farms has a brand new layer crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein. Perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams, and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You cannot go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the September Box, I absolutely love the rooster socks and the can of grasshoppers. It's amazing. I really love the iron trivet. I'm going to use it for all my entertaining, and I've got to keep the girls away from those chick notes for sure. Yeah. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. To receive $5 off, use the code CWTCL at checkout. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's time for a breed spotlight. Yes. 
That was actually pretty impressive. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. That's good. <laughs> and this week, we're talking about the Brackle. The Brackle. Has everyone heard of the Brackle? I've heard of the Brackle. <laughs> This is another one of my finds. Yeah, you, this is one of your finds. I did know this one, but yeah, that's the But you will one. see that I come up with the more rare mm-hmm. chickens because I'm trying to stop. That's your aim now? <laughs> I'm going to play hard to get now. <laughs> like, yeah, I've heard of that one. So it's so the Brackle. The Brackle, right. The Brackle is another very old breed of dual-purpose chicken, and they're from Belgium. They're from Belgium, and they like chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> because Belgium has some yes, really I got, good yeah. chocolates. I, I got the connection, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feed your brackles or any of the rest of your chicken chocolate. <laughs> no. just Frankly, the Belgian chocolate belongs nowhere except in your stomach, not your chicken. When Joe went to Belgium, uh-huh. he brought me home chocolate. Sam. Yeah. I was so jealous that he went. I mean, he went for work. Okay. But I'm like, the least you can do is bring, bring me, me Belgium mm-hmm. chocolate yeah. home. Yeah. The brackles really are quite an old breed. They've been found in records as early as the 1400s. They take their name from the area where they were developed in Flanders, specifically in the villages of Upbrackle and Naderbrackle, which right. I think are Upper and Lower Brackle. Well, this is what we've learned along the way, going through all the breeds, is they're named after the geographic place where they're from, usually. Generally, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense. Truly, only a handful of things are named after. They're named after where they're from. They're named after where they're exported. Or they're who discovered them. After who discovered them or who bred them. Right. It's really not a lot, yeah. So the Brackle is closely related to, but it is larger than the Campine, which is another Belgian breed. Yes. That we'll be covering in an upcoming spotlight. Yep. And interesting to note, the Brackle is not recognized by the American Poultry Association, but the Campine was accepted into standard of perfection in 1914. I guess because it's derivative from the other breed. Probably. A Brackle Breeders Club was created in their native Flanders in 1898. And that was a while ago. Yeah, right. And a breed standard was accepted in 1899 in an attempt to protect the breed from outcrosses and too many variations. Basically, you don't want this to turn into a land race breed where they're just out there breeding away and nothing looks similar and they don't have standards. I think it became very confusing because like each town was breeding their own little variety of this. Right. I mean, the Campine obviously is very similar, but developed in another part of Belgium. Right. And they were fairly popular until the First World War when the numbers started to decline. Of course. And after the Second World War, they declined even farther. Which we found across the board. We did, right. And Flanders was hard hit. Food was extremely scarce in some areas. And so we've seen in more than a few historical sources that people were simply eating the chickens without taking the time to breed them anymore. Right. They were hungry. Exactly. And war does very horrible things it to does, people. It does, right. And to industry and to land and everything. to everything. The and farms people were, were wiped out. They were desperate. They were. So they weren't thinking straight and taking no, time to preserve. They were trying to, to survive. They were trying to survive over the chicken. Exactly. But we found this in many other breeds also. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that, of course, put a, a major dent in the population. That's bad enough. But along with that, the latter half of the 20th century also saw growing importation of other high-efficiency layers. Once again, it's the same old. If I had to guess, I'd say Leghorns and Rhode Island Reds. But uh, yeah, that, for they, sure. You know, they're the big two. Anyway, that further reduced the numbers and, and replaced the Brackles on farms that did manage to stay in business after the first two World Wars. They are really beautiful chicken. They're a beautiful chicken. They're a good example of how breeds developed in certain geographies. And that's one of the reasons this breed was known by so many names. It was really, the names were assigned to little geographic variations. Exactly, like little villages. Right. And so the names included the farmyard hen, the nun's hen, the everyday layer, 
and the colorful white-necked gray. They're really cool looking. They, they really remind are. me of the Fayumis a little bit. Well, funny you should say that. As we go on a little bit, we'll be mentioning the Fayumis. The breed was a good example of how breeds developed in certain geographies and how they were affected by global changes. So the post-World War industrialism reigned for about 30 years ago, essentially to the 1970s, as we always say. Yes. That's when a lot of baby boomers came of age and they started to make a lot of changes. They were very idealistic, yeah. um, back to the land. Now, a lot of that idealism went out the window in the 80s and 90s. It was very quick. So we didn't get to see much of it because we're early 70s babies. Right, right. So we were so young through the 70s that we didn't get to really understand and take benefit of that time. By the time that we, in the 80s, we were, what, eight? We were. Eight to I, ten, and it was already convenience, convenience, convenience. It is, but if you remember, I really feel like our generation was one of the first to take things like ocean pollution seriously. Oh, yeah. You know, we belonged to Science Club in high school, and that was a big thing since we were right on the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, yeah. Science Club with Mr. Durr was awesome. Mr. Durr, that's right. He was amazing. But here's the funny thing. We're back where we should have been. This generation is saying, let's stop. Let's slow down a little bit. Exactly. So Generation X, here we go. Here we go. It's funny how you see it back in history and then repeat itself again. Right. And it's probably going to keep repeating itself until a major change happens. So back to the Brackle, according to the Brackle Poultry Club website, by 1971, there were only five, five yeah. Brackles left in existence. And let's hope there was a boy and a girl. There, and must, all... have, there must have been because <laughs> a new breeders club was formed at that time in the 70s and they exchanged hatching eggs. And then the breed began to grow and, and really repopulate their native right. Flanders. Now... Here's where the connection with the Theomies. Yeah. So like several older breeds of chicken, including the Hamburg and the Feumi, brackles come in silver and gold pencil patterns. They're beautiful. If you line up the brackle, the campion, the Egyptian Feumi, and the Hamburg, you will see very striking resemblances among the four. They look pretty close. I mean, look at this picture here. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, to It the just Fayumi. looks like a stockier Feumi, essentially. It, exactly. Yeah. So the standard size brackle has several other color variations besides the gold and silver, and they include lemon, lemon white, gold white laced, black, self blue, self blue laced, and gold blue barred. Okay, that's a lot of variations. That's a lot of variations, and those obviously have come along since the breed club was recreated in the 70s. And there is a phantom brackle. There is. Now that... Gold and silver. Only comes in the gold and silver. That's right. They are very, very handsome birds. They have white earlobes. They do have white earlobes. So that tells me they're laying white eggs. Right. They have a larger size straight coma models, and they have slate colored legs. But we did read that a few of the new color variations have white or light leg colors instead of the slate. I like the slate. I like the slate, too. Frankly, I like the gold and the silver. That's one thing about, like, the Americanas that I really like were mm -hmm. their slate legs. Yeah, me too. Yeah. They're really cute. I think they are very cute. So our hens are decent layers. They generally start laying at about six or seven months of age. They lay about 200 white eggs per year. And I call that average. That's well, a respectable layer. It's respectable. But you have a leghorn, so... If you would say 150 eggs, I would call that kind of like yeah, a little below the lower side. But right. 200, I call like, it's a like week? right where a chicken should be. Yeah. Like a lot of the other continental breeds, they are non-setters and they rarely go broody. So anyone who wants to breed brackles would have to use incubators or broody hens. There is a website for the Brackle Poultry Club and it does have more breed history and there's contact information there. 
To the best of our knowledge, there are no brackles available in the U.S. So you have to travel to Belgium. It gives you a good reason to go over there. Right. And then bring home chocolate and chickens. Chocolate and the little chicks. That's and then a, tell the chicks to be quiet on the airplane. I would say eggs, but we know that, that they doesn't can't, work. They can't. It yeah. won't work. Yeah. So, you know, you have to bring the chicks. Oh, you can take a cruise. Would you that can work? wrap them in a little chocolate paper and make it look like they're chocolate. Yes. <laughs> that won't show up on an x-ray. Oh, man. You're going to eat this little chocolate skeleton. Oh, my God. <laughs> So if you're in the U.S. and you really love a brackle, the closest you're going to get is the campaign. Right. Which we will talk about later. Right. And the campaign is well worth checking out because they're currently listed as critically endangered on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. So that's one that it would be worth it if you really like the chicken. If you look it up mm -hmm. and you really, it touches you, they have really big eyes too. They do. There's big dark eyes. There are some differences between the campaign and the brackle, but they do have a similar look. Something unique about the roosters, but we'll talk about that when we profile the campaign. Yeah, for sure. So, there is your very old Belgian brackle. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so now it's about that time that we are going to do our main topic. Yeah. Yeah. I like a little jingle for everything. I know. I know. And this week's main topic, we are going to talk about the digestive system of the chicken. Yeah, it's, it's actually fascinating. Some of the equipment you find in the digestive system is primitive, but it's extremely efficient. It has to be. Yeah. Being they're compact, they're little. That's a lot of stuff crammed into a little teeny chicken. But today we're just going to cover the digestive tract, and we're going to save the liver and its many functions for another episode. Yeah, that's... Gonna, in the interest of time. That's definitely going to be its own episode yeah. for sure. Let's just start with the digestive tract, and it starts with the beak. That's right. Because that's how they pick up food. That's right. Your hen is searching for tasty food and she uses her beak to grab it. And let's mention this. There are no teeth. Right. Have you ever heard that old expression, as rare as hen's teeth? No. Yeah, yeah. That was like an old timer's expression. I mean, well, you see where all this stuff comes from. Uh-huh. A lot of these old sayings come from chickens. That's right. Smooth your hackles. <laughs> Cooped up. Chicken scratch. Oh, hen pecked. Henpecked is a good one, yeah. There are a lot of uh, sheep and wool ones as well. Yeah, pecking order. Pecking order is a big one. Come up to scratch is one. Yeah. Okay, so it starts with the beak. So here's how important having that little sharp bit on mm -hmm. the end of the beak mm -hmm. is. That is a tool. Right, it helps them tear. It helps them chop things up so right. that it's smaller for them to be able to take That's in. That's right. And they use it to search for food. Right. The beak itself has a lot of nerve endings on oh, the yeah. edge of it, and it's one of the things that really helps the chicken navigate their world, are the nerve endings in their beak. Oh, yeah. It's really important. Mm -hmm. So chickens are animals of prey. Right. Meaning they are hunted by lots of predators. Animals. Right. Yes. I mean, one could argue that they're a little bit of a predator themselves. They are to mice, toads. Salamanders. All these different things. But... They are preyed upon by lots of animals. Exactly. So they're still considered a prey animal. So when they are searching for food, that brings us to the next part of the digestive tract that we have to really acknowledge, which is a huge part. You're getting to the crop. The crop. So your hen grabs some food in her beak. She swallows it. The food travels down her esophagus to the crop. 
the crop. It's storage. Exactly. It's essentially a pouch in the esophagus. So it's made of esophageal tissue. It's located to the right of the trachea and it's attached loosely to the skin and to the clavicle, which is also known as the collarbone or wishbone. Right. And the crop is supported by two muscles. Backing up to the crop itself. The easiest way that I've always explained what the crop is to anybody who has asked is basically it's the stomach on the outside. An external stomach, yeah. It's an external stomach. Mm -hmm. This gets back to why I'm saying a chicken is an animal of prey. Mm -hmm. They have to eat quickly. They do, right? They can't sit there and say, yummy, yummy in my tummy. You know, I'm going to chew it I mean, they can, but. If they're in a safe environment. (laughs) If they see something. They have to be able to eat, store, and go right. quickly. Eat and run, right. And that's what this crop is. Actually, yeah. In the case of predators coming after them, but also competition. Amongst themselves. Exactly. Sure. I don't know. My mom had some shrimp tails last week that she gave me and I gave them out. And I watched poor Madeline run around the run like four times with a shrimp tail in her beak <laughs> because everyone wanted it and she had the last one. Yeah. And they chase each other and then they try to go into a corner. They yes. try to eat it real fast. She and eventually then- got it down her gullet. Yeah, and what that is, they need a place to store it. Yeah. So it's an external stomach. Right. As we said, it's a pouch in the esophagus, Mm -hmm. and it is attached to the skin and the collarbone. And then there are those two muscles, and those two muscles support it, and they're what help push the food up when it's time to move it through. Those muscles contract Mm -hmm. and push everything through. You can actually see them working. The prime example is with all the problems that Gertie's had with her crop. After the first crop surgery... Those feathers were taken off of there. You could actually see those muscles trying to move. Yeah, it was fascinating. In a normal chicken, you're not going to see it as readily because there's so many feathers. Right, the feathers covering it. But it was fascinating to watch it in Gertie. So now we know exactly what they look like when they're working. For sure. So the crop is one of the more important parts of the digestive system, but it's also one that can develop some problems. Yes. So it's a big one. Yeah, it is. It's a big one, and it's a big enough one that we've done a Crops 101. Exactly. So if you want to know strictly about the crop, Mm -hmm. go back and listen to Crops 101. Yeah. That entire episode, we talk about the crop. Right. But basically, the problems that you can get are yeast infections Mm -hmm. of the crop, impactions, bacterial infections. Pendulous crop. Which Gertie did as a result of all of her Right. Problems. Pendulous crop tends to be a side effect of something else. Yes. Parasites. Yes. Crop stasis, which also Gertie had. Yes. Where the crop stops moving. There's no motility. Right. Crop health is crucial to overall chicken health. For digestive and their whole bodies. Yeah. That is one little storage area that takes on a big job. It's the keys to the kingdom because a chicken can eventually die if the crop is not working. Yes. So, yeah. And then the next stop is? The proventriculus. Yes, it is. It's sometimes referred to as the glandular stomach because it's the spot where digestive enzymes are secreted to help break down and digest food. And that's what our stomach does. Exactly. So that's why it's a good way to think of it as a second stomach. Right. From there, the food travels along to the gizzard, which is also called the ventriculus. Exactly. It's the pro and then the ventriculus. Right. Pro meaning before. Before. Mm -hmm. That gizzard is amazing. It really is. It's a remarkable machine. It's a simple machine and it takes the place of teeth. When we've had, and I keep using Gertie because... Well, she's the prime crop example, so... Digestive disorder problem. Mm -hmm. When we talked to Dr. Rebecca through all of her visits to Dr. Rebecca, she was talking to us that day. We had her in there and she was like, 
the gizzard is amazing. Yeah. It, she said it's a, it's a, an amazing piece of machinery. It's mechanical. It is. And mm -hmm. that can become impacted also or blocked. It can. It's, it's rare. It's rare, but it is a possibility. Right. So essentially, the gizzard is a tough bit of muscle, and it's located above the chicken's liver. Right. So I used to imagine the gizzard being higher up, but it's not. Me too. It's like halfway down your chicken. Yeah. So it sits above the liver. What the gizzard does is along with grit that your chicken has picked up, that's mm -hmm. why it's so important to provide grit. Yes. The grit doesn't stay in the crop. It moves through with the food. It goes into the gizzard, and the gizzard grinds down all the food that comes through the proventriculus. Tons. It, tons, right. Everything has to pass through the gizzard. and Dr. Rebecca was saying to us that there are some possible intestinal issues in chickens, but not a whole lot because the gizzard is so efficient. It's very efficient. It can handle very large mm -hmm. items. Let's look at it this way. Bubbles has eaten a mouse, yeah. a toad, yeah, and that gizzard's handled it. But yeah, it does. It does. I mean, bone can be handled by the gizzard. It can handle lots and lots and lots of stuff. Right. And it's one of those super primitive things. I'm sure that's probably a dinosaur left over. Yeah, exactly. And it was one of the things I was worried about with Gertie thinking. It could be a blockage. I'm like, okay, the crop, we've done so much with the crop. It's still not working. Mm -hmm. Is there a blockage in that gizzard? Right. And there was not. There was not. So it grinds all that stuff up. It mixes it with all the digestive enzymes from the proventriculus. And then your next stop? Small intestine. The small intestine. And that is where a lot of the nutrients are absorbed. And this made me laugh because think about how small your chickens are. The small intestine is between four and four and a half feet long. Yeah. Maybe it should be called the long intestine. <laughs> <laughs> Working in an OR for 15 years, one of the most amazing parts that I loved is looking at the organs inside. Uh huh. And intestines will astound you. So I've been a part of so many exploratory surgeries with animals who have eaten things they shouldn't right. or small bowel resections, all these different things. And when you look at these things, you're like, how can it be this long? Yeah. But they are. Yeah. And it's just so neat the way the body stacks everything right. and it all works. So four and a half feet is long. Mm -hmm. If you look at this chicken and you're like, how in the heck? Right. How does it fit in there? But it does. It fits it in does. there. It does. And that's where a lot of this is absorbed. The food needs to go through every part to finally give the bird nutrients. Right. So when it gets to the small intestine, the nutrients in the food are absorbed. They travel off to the liver and some other places. And as we said, we'll do the liver in another episode. Yeah. But this is also where some of the internal parasites would dwell. And that's where they steal the nutrients. Mm -hmm. If you can think about it this way, they're living in there. So when that food comes through... Your chicken's not getting the nutrients. Right. The they parasite are. is stealing it. And really, for more on that, you want to listen to our Poop and Dewormers episode. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. With Fiona the Poop Poop and Dewormers. Yeah, right. So as the food moves towards the large intestine, it goes through the small intestine, you know, nutrients are absorbed, all that stuff. As the food moves towards the large intestine, there's some fibrous material that's left over. Right. Well, this was the fascinating part to me. That fibrous material would move into one of the two cecal pouches that are situated between the small and large intestine. And when those things empty, it's not fun. It, it was really interesting to me. Even though I've had chickens for 20 years, I didn't really know their function. So the cecal pouches deal with fibrous stuff, right. like twigs or leaves that might have passed through. Exactly. So the fibrous stuff enters the cecal pouches. And in the cecal pouches, there's a lot of beneficial bacteria. They essentially ferment it. Yeah. And then the cecal pouches also help with absorbing more water from that leftover food. And then the material will pass back out about once every eight poops or so. And it's gooey. 
It's nasty. It is not good. It does not smell good. No. It is a grosser than average chicken poop. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's bad. So past the cecal pouches, we're off to the large intestine. Now, the large intestine should be the short intestine <laughs> because it's only about four inches long. And it absorbs all the leftover water from any remaining undigested right. material. Yep. And from there, it goes through that four inches and then it moves onto the cloaca and passes out. And it's, see you later. That's right. A big pile of chicken poo. Right. And, and that is what is left over that takes out all the nutrients. Right. It's all fibrous, fibrous stuff. fibrous stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kicks it out because it doesn't use it. It doesn't need it. Right. And that's what you have. And as we all know, chickens generally poop like 12 or 15 times a day. And that is a good number to remember. Because if your chicken is having any problem in that digestive tract, mm-hmm. starting with beak, crump, all these different things, right. there's a blockage somewhere, you are going to not see 12 to 15 poops a day. Right. Poop will drastically reduce. And that's something to be aware of. You're not always out there with them during the day. But if you notice that they're not feeling well. Then like us, you camp out there and count how many times they poop. bring them in <laughs> and then you count poop. We have to put this out here because it is so hilarious. But Gertie. Oh, you're not telling people that, are you? Oh, yes. Okay. It's funny. (laughs) It is funny. Holly Ann's like Gertie's second mom. And because you watched her for the week when I was away Mm -hmm. and you had to count poops, now she poops when she sees you. I know she does. Every time she sees me without fail, she poops. But it's the best because she's like, okay, you're looking for poop. Here you go. I don't know. I think it's because she doesn't like me because I tube fed her for a week. I don't think She's like, oh, man, there's that woman that shoved that tube in my crop. It's my new title. Poop counter. Chicken lady poop counter. <laughs> She's like, let me give her one account. <laughs> God. But yeah, so that's why I use Gertie a lot because... She went through all of this. She went through everything. And, you know, it's a good example to use. And it's where we are right now. Right. There are a few problems that can occur with the intestinal tract, which we didn't really talk about. Right. So it's pretty efficient. Again, if stuff makes it through the gizzard, it's usually in good shape. But... Number one. The parasites. Major. The reason why they're a parasite is they're living off your chicken. Right. And they are stealing the nutrients from in that intestinal tract. Right. And your chicken can become anemic and they can die from parasites. Bacterial. It's more rare, but you can have bacterial infections or enteritis, which definitely needs to be treated. I think you can do a fecal. You can take poop in for a fecal. You can do a and cytology can, on it. Yeah, they can test for the presence of bacteria. Which there's always bacteria in it, but they can look for an overload. Of or they're looking for specific types, too. Yeah. Bacteria that don't belong there. And then our old friend, the yeast. The yeast infection, that's right. And that leads to our bigger old friend of? Ventgleet. The bacterial infection can lead to Ventgleet as well. And parasites can, too. Yeah, so... Their body is a machine. Yeah. And if one part isn't working for whatever reason, then you got to fix it. Right. Really, with a healthy chicken, the three biggest problems in the intestinal tract are parasites, bacterial infections, yeast infections. Yeah. If you get into something like Merrick's disease, there's a possibility of internal tumors, that sort of thing. But that's not like an everyday issue that you're going to worry about where the other three kind of are. And if you want to learn about Merrick's disease from Dr. Rebecca, yes. go back and listen to the episode that was just put out recently. Right. Merrick's 101. Yeah. It's an entire episode that it explains is everything. full of information. It's an amazing episode. So go back and listen to that one if you have any questions mm-hmm. about Merrick's. Right. But the intestinal tract is amazing. The amount of things that they can eat without teeth amazes me. Right. I have to mention this because it is kind of funny. The girls and I were driving to the beach this year. And we saw a billboard and says, you don't want to be a chicken. You know why? Why? It was a dentist billboard. Oh, man. Because they have no teeth. Rare as hen's teeth. 
Okay, so now it's time for... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Another Chrissy Thanksgiving recipe. We're in the month of November. Right. Month of November in my house is about birthdays and Thanksgiving. Right. There are three birthdays in this household in November. Including yours. Yeah, mine. Mm -hmm. And both girls are November babies. Right. And then Thanksgiving. So... We have a lot of different things that we do for Thanksgiving, and this is one of my favorites. It's sweet potato casserole. And I generally am not a sweet potato casserole person. I just like my sweet potatoes roasted, but the topping of this casserole is really cool. And you can eat it. Yes, I can eat it. It's gluten-free. This, this recipe can be changed to gluten-dairy-free yeah. very easily. Mm-hmm. And we will include our variations yeah. in the recipe, as we always do. And this one is not terribly hard at all. It takes a little time, and I always make it the day before. Oh, that's good. Then you don't have to worry about it. The day, you can just throw it in the oven on the day of. Just to warm it through and uh-huh. do the topping. Now, I do the topping right before I serve it. Okay. But I mix the topping the day before. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. You're going to get about five or six sweet potatoes. Okay. And I never nuke them. I just take the time and bake them. Okay. Poke holes in them, wrap them in foil. Do you uh, peel them first? Nope. Okay. And I cover them with olive oil Uh and then put them in foil. Right. And then I bake them at like 400 for an hour. Uh Uh-huh. I forget about. Yeah, I suppose you can. Yeah. Yeah. Just set the alarm so you don't forget about them forever. Yeah. And I bake them up about an hour, uh-huh. get them really soft, take them out of the oven, and then the skins just come right off. Yeah, you can peel it right off easily. I wait till they're... Or you could probably cut them in half and scoop the flesh out. I slit them, and then I just open them up and pour them in a bowl. Easy enough. You have to do them when they're a little bit warm. Right. For that to work. Yeah. So normally it's like hot potato. I'm like, oh, ow, ooh, ow. <laughs> God. <laughs> Hurry up, get it in there. And then I mash them with a hand masher. Okay. So that they're kind of... Textured but smashed. Yes. Mm -hmm. So after you have them smashed, you're going to make your filling for your casserole. Okay. So they're smashed and you're going to add two tablespoons of butter, a half a cup of brown sugar, about a half a cup of milk, or we could do almond milk. Non-dairy milk, milk, right? Non-dairy milk. The recipe that I use calls for like 2%, but I usually use whole on Thanksgiving. Right. It makes it creamier. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. One egg, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit of salt, pepper, and vanilla. Perfect. Okay. And I basically just use a hand mixer and mix it all up. Okay. I use a Pyrex casserole dish. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I don't believe it. One of the long oval ones. Uh-huh. And pour it all in, and then I set it aside until the next day. Okay. That's it. Just pop it in the fridge. After you've mixed all the ingredients together, you just pop it in the fridge. Then the next day, I bring it to room temperature. Uh-huh. I've learned this along the way that you're not supposed to put something from the fridge straight into the oven to reheat. No, no, because you can bust your baking dishes yeah. that way. Yeah. Plus, I've seen it happen. Yeah. So I always say, okay, bring it out like an hour beforehand, mm-hmm. let it come to room temperature, then we'll warm it up. And then you take the topping that you've made. Okay. This is the really cool part about this. I've had to do it for gluten-free people uh-huh. before, and that's why this is what I use. Right. Instead of anything that could be gluten in it, I use cornflakes. I'm so intrigued by that. When we were little, my mom used to fry chicken with a cornflake coating. Yeah. And it was delicious. So when you showed me this recipe, I was like, yeah. Yeah. It's my once a year that I buy cornflakes. Corn uh-huh. <laughs> and then I have them all year for other toppings that I want to do. Is the cornflakes box the one that has the Chanticleer rooster on yes. it? Yes. Uh-huh. There we go. Yes. Okay, so you mix that with brown sugar and butter and pecans. Ooh. Yeah. 
And then you mix it all together and I get my frustration out because usually by then I'm like, I got 20 dishes going. Right. And you're you know, whacking it with a rolling pin. I use a crab mallet here in Maryland. <laughs> Maryland girls use crab mallets. I'd use a rolling everything. pin. I got to tell you, I would use a rolling pin. So I pull out the crab mallet. Boom, boom, boom. Mash it all up. And then you make diagonal lines on top. It looks so pretty. And in the Pyrex, I'm sure it has that sort of vintage casserole yes. look. Yes. And then. So you do a line of topping. And a line of marshmallows. Marshmallows. And then a line of topping, a line of marshmallows, a line of topping. And in with the topping, you're also going to put about a tablespoon of butter and melt it all in. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you're non-dairy, you can use non-dairy butter. That's Earth fine. balance, so, probably, or the country crock vegan butter probably works fine. Exactly. And then you make it so that it looks pretty how you want to do it. I do diagonal. Uh-huh. And I go through. And then you bake it. And then you kind of roast the very top of it till your marshmallows till it's brown are brown. and brown. Yeah. And then you dig in. Sounds fantastic. It's really good. It's one of our favorites. And it was kind of trial and error because I had to do it for my family who's gluten-free. Right. My extended family if right. I was taking it there. Mm -hmm. So the cornflakes worked great. It's like, yeah. what else can I use? The brown sugar flavors the cornflakes. Right. The pecans flavor it. I really have to make this. This sounds amazing to me. You're going to love it because you can substitute the almond milk would be just as good. You know what I have? Oat milk, maybe. Well, that's what I have in my kitchen lately. I have gone to Trebani Makes. They call it rich and creamy. Yes. And I just get the unsweetened. Yeah. And it's like this thick, rich oat, work great. oat milk that you can use for almost anything. I love it. It's like a half a cup of milk. It's not like a large amount that you need. So and apparently the oat milk is much better for the environment than the almond milk is. Really? I read that recently. I'm yeah. a big fan of the almond milk. We won't even get into it now, but there are some issues that impact pollinators. Oh, really? With the almond milk. Yeah. So the oat milk is a really good alternative. And frankly, I think it works better in baked goods and recipes like this. And oat milk's hot right now. Let's just say it. Oat milk's hot. <laughs> it's hot. You know, when I shop for oat milk, it did not occur to me that I should feel hot. <laughs> now I know. You'd be like, mm, I got to get my oat milk. Hot. It's hot. And then you heat up everything and you serve it and it's so yummy. That sounds delicious. And it uses an egg. You crack the egg. Just in, one egg, yeah. One egg. And it goes in with the cream and with the vanilla. Mm -hmm. It flavors your sweet potatoes. Oh my goodness. This sounds so, so good. I'm going to make this before Thanksgiving. So good. Yeah. It's the best. So I figured this would be a good time to put this recipe out here because yeah. if you want to try something for Thanksgiving. Right. Perfect. This is the time to do it. Yeah. So enjoy everybody. Okay, so now it's time for Retail Therapy. Retail Therapy. Yeah. This week, we have a special guest. When we first started, we saw her work and we wanted to meet her. Yeah. So we like to bring you an interview that we had with Anne-Marie of the Knitted Chickens. Enjoy. Anne-Marie, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to see you guys. It's so great to meet you. And I feel you. like we've met you a million times in your knitted chickens. <laughs> it's a whole family with the chickens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we have to start with the million-dollar question. We're kind of going to start with a million-dollar question and end with a million-dollar right. question today. Right. So we're going to start with this million-dollar question after we're looking through all these cutie pie, beautiful knitted chickens. Do you have chickens of your own? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping so much that answer was going to be yes. <laughs> I was like, please. Okay, so you tell us how you got started in chickens and what breeds do you have? 
Okay, so I started about seven years ago, me and my husband, and it was actually my father-in-law that God had started. He decided to bring home some chicks and said, here, would you like to have these? Let the children look after them. Well, <laughs> obviously you can't say no, can you? So exactly. I was raising these little chicks and that was it. They just set us off for life, really. And now we do a lot of showing. We go all over Cornwall and all up country. We've got a big show coming up at the end of the year. They normally have about 8,000 birds in the competition. So, wow. Nice. Yeah. So you show your birds. Are those yes. the ribbons we see in we the can... background? Oh, the yes. Birds? Yeah, that's just, that was the, the last one. That was last weekend. So we've got another one coming up. Yeah, after, just after COVID, because obviously all, all the competitions have sort of died off a little bit. So that's the first one. And we made it onto Champions Row and got best reserve so yeah we're, we're giving a, you a bow over shot. here <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so we really it. must know what breeds you are showing yes okay <laughs> so our main breed is indian game i think back where you are it's cornish game so they're oh, wow. the big, okay. big heavy set birds my sort of so that's more my husband's side i deal with the silkies one with the fluffy pom-poms yes You've that you've seen them in my uh, knitted collection. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have Russian Orloffs and Ooh. we have Favreau Bantams. So yeah, we've got oh my got quite a few of different. Things. Yeah, but silkies oh, wow. are definitely one of my favorites. Okay, so silkies and Bantam yeah. Favreaus. Oh and my then, goodness! No, oh, Russian no, Orloffs. Russian. Russian Orloffs. Yeah. yeah, we have not profiled that breed yet. Oh, they're very so. cute. And they're, 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 they're really talkative. are cute. We're, yeah. You are inspired on this now. My son shows as well, and he has the little white damper that's on my shoulder in one of the photos. I'm yes. Like, that's Marshmallow. Oh, and she that is, is so the cute. sweetest bird you'd ever meet. And again, she just sits there happily chatting away to you. <laughs> oh, well. So you're, the reserve champion, was that with the Cornish game or the Indian game, or was that yes. with... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We have discovered a whole nother side of Anne-Marie. Right? <laughs> We're going to have to have you back on yeah. to <laughs> talk about English show chicken. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. inspired us a whole nother show. Yes. English yeah. show chickens. I know we haven't profiled the true Cornish. Or the salmon yeah. bantams. No. You've given us lots of things to work You're with. You're coming back. Well, actually, the Orloff. <laughs> Honestly, to be honest, if we profiled any of them, it would be the Orloff, I think, would be my first choice because yeah. they're really I have, cool I have birds. Bantam and large of um, the oh Russian my goodness. Well, so, All yeah. right, Anne-Marie, we're going to make a date for the new year with you <laughs> yes, so we can talk chicken shows. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. See what happened? We wanted to talk to you about knitted chickens and we're already, <laughs> we're down the road already. We're already off the subject, but hey. <sighs> The listeners aren't seeing this right now, but we are on Zoom. We love your sweatshirt. It just says, oh, thank you. <laughs> thumbs up. It's awesome. You don't have sheep hidden somewhere, do you? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I would love sheep, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I have sheep and chickens and I'm a knitter. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually have Jacobs. I know you have plenty of Jacobs in the UK. Yes, that's right. We yeah. have Jacobs and then we have Hog Island, which were British originally. They, oh, they come okay. from a barrier island outside of Virginia. They're amazing sheep as well. But that's oh. another tangent. So from one knitter <laughs> to another, how long have yes. you been knitting? So I started pre-COVID, just before COVID sort of struck. And it was just into a hobby, really. 
I just thought being a crazy chicken lady, you know, you just got to knit them chickens. You know, it just went mad from there. And then people were asking me, oh, do you sell them? Oh, have you been on Etsy? And I thought, oh, no. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to try it. And literally, I have not put my needles down since. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy. So everyone who's listening right now, do yourself a favor. Go over to Instagram Mm -hmm. and look up the knitted chickens. And oh my gosh, you're going to be just like us saying, give me those knitted chickens. Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, I've seen a lot of patterns for knitted chickens, but the detail on yours is amazing. Is that your own pattern? It's a pattern that I've sort of made myself. And then I've just changed a little bit. So, you know, for the key ring size and Mm -hmm. then the bookmarks and things like that. I mean, I, I have a whole line of stuff in my head. But having the time to do it is something else. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. So was it COVID that inspired you to start knitting or was it the chickens that inspired you (laughs) or something else totally? I think it was actually the chickens. It was actually my son sort of spoke about it to start off with. He's like, mom, why don't you knit a chicken? I was like, no, because I was really a very basic knitter. And I still am really, you know, compared to a lot of people. But I just really enjoy it. Because they get created. Yeah, I love it when I've finished producing them. They'd come to life as such, you know. Yeah, they look so amazing. (laughs) And Holly Ann and I were both saying your photography of them is amazing. It's spot on. Thank you. For product photography, it's spot on. It's perfect. You highlight. I mean, it just looks amazing. Everyone really go to to Edmaru's Etsy shop, which is linked in our show notes. And check out these chickens. Do you want to give the name of your Etsy shop so that everyone can go over to it also? The knitted chickens, it's just nice and simple. Okay. (laughs) That works. (laughs) We're curious, how many chickens can you knit in a month? (laughs) In a month. Okay. So it's not so much the knitted, it's the putting together. Mm -hmm. That takes time because it's quite fiddly. I probably do between 20 and 30 a month. Yeah. But I've just started working. I work like 40 hours a week now training to be a bus driver. (laughs) Oh, wow. Which is, you yeah, are a woman so, of so many trains. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the surprises so, yeah. just keep coming. It's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been training for a week. And then next week, I've actually got my test at the end of the week. So, yeah. Wow. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll be out on the road next week. But so my evenings are my knitted time and my weekends. Okay. But it's nice. It's therapy, you know, and I really enjoy it. It's definitely a, a good hobby to have. It takes chickens to the next level. So chickens are yeah. a passion. Do you sit with the chickens and just knit and like relax? Yeah, uh, I had Marshmallow, my son's one. She She's in the house at the minute. She went to show last week and she sat there having a little chat. I thought, come on then, you come and sit next to me. She sat on my <laughs> knee. I'm knitting away. Aww. That's normal in my house. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that would be pretty normal around here as well. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Okay, so for everyone who's wondering out there, do you do custom orders? So if someone comes into Etsy or messages you via Instagram and says, I have a Polish chicken or Selkie or other kind of chickens. Yeah, so uh, a lot. I mean, uh, my next order actually coming up, a lady messaged me about having a splash Silky. She recently lost one of her, I think it's her daughter's Silky. So yeah, I'm going to recreate that. About a week or so ago, there was one I made a card, and that's a, a tribute to Silky that a lady lost. And it's got a little banana and stuff on there as well. 
Oh, oh yeah, so I saw tribute. that too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. yeah, yeah. It is so cute. So we know you have an Etsy shop. Are you selling your chickens any place else right now? No, no, just Etsy. That it okay. keeps me really busy. Yeah, I'm sure. So any upcoming projects that you are excited about? Yeah, well, as I say, I've got lots of stuff in here <laughs> that wants to come out. But like I say, it's just literally, I sort of get a quiet spell and I get down to two or three orders. Then all of a sudden it just, it just mounts up again. So yeah, I want to do like hair clips for little girls. Um, oh my goodness. Will you do them and... for adults as well? Yes. Yeah, seriously. Of <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be amazing. <laughs> for the chicken ladies but yeah and phone cases on think about doing phone cases and things like that oh my so, goodness yeah. oh yeah. wow you know who would yeah, love a phone case dr rebecca dr rebecca our <laughs> vet. dr rebecca's mm-hmm. been on our veterinarian yeah she would love it oh. so the other thing i want to touch on is your packaging beyond cute oh thank you i mean to receive that little package that you order with the box and the <laughs> paper if you were buying it for somebody else you'd be like man i'm gonna keep this for me it's so, like, cute. so nice that custom since chrissy has your feet up right now i'm looking at the custom order where you did the silky and the banana and the the strip of bunting yeah, and the bunting yeah <laughs> adorable <laughs> oh my heavens oh it's my adorable. goodness i cannot get over it <laughs> you know the key rings are amazing but Every Christmas tree of a chicken lady should have one of these chickens on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just hanging there Absolutely. for the holidays. And like I said, before we even launched, we were following you. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this lady, these chickens, they just make me happy. And sometimes if I just want to smile, I head over to yeah. your page and just look at these little chickens, <laughs> the knitted chickens, because they brighten my day. They're so cute. Oh, thank you. They're just adorable and you do a fantastic job on them for sure you can see there's love in there (laughs) and that you hug your chickens i'm sure (laughs) oh yes (laughs) we're gonna ask you the most unfair question in the world the second million dollar question the second million dollar question right (laughs) as we finish up what is your favorite chicken breed oh my goodness i think i would have to say silky because yeah there's just something about them even when they're just chicks I just love them. They're little furry legs. And yeah, oh, I love them. <laughs> Do you breed your own? Yes. You, you hatch them. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You need to come to my house. <laughs> Can we? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so February. We're going to trip to the UK because we have so many friends now in the UK. Yeah. We yeah. love everyone so over so there. Good. And we're coming. And my daughters took surfing lessons in Costa Rica a few years oh, ago. Fantastic. So we have to throw them oh, on my the goodness. plane and go surfing. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. February till June, we do a lot of hatching. So normally my house is full of cages with baby chicks. And if I speak to somebody on the phone, they're like, what's that noise? I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. It's just the chicks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We definitely found such a friend over there. We definitely want to have you back on the show to talk about showing. I mean, actually just breeding for show and the whole yeah, showing yeah. process. We would love to talk to you about that. So yeah, definitely. we will keep in yeah. touch and set that up for the new year. That would be yeah, super brilliant. fun. Yeah. I'll show you some more trophies by then, hopefully. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Amory, it's been <laughs> awesome talking to you today. And you have been like a big surprise because I know what a delight. We had no idea you did all these things besides knit the chickens. Oh my god, and it's amazing. You're a superwoman over there in the UK doing all this stuff. <laughs> so if you get your job as a bus driver, are you gonna be driving around Cornwall? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. and wow. here's the other thing. You have to take a picture and send it to us. You have to have a knitted chicken <laughs> hanging off that mirror. I will do. <laughs> we want to see it. Yes. <laughs> that would be the most awesome and thing. So, someday in the new year, if COVID gets under control, the crazy chicken ladies are going to be boarding your bus. So just, <laughs> just be forewarned that we're on our way. We're on our way over to see you. I want a silky so bad. I'm going to have to smuggle one back in my suitcase sometimes. <laughs> we don't have silkies here. <laughs> no, I want one from over there. You want an Anne-Marie silky. I've got it. Anne-Marie, this really has been so much fun. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on with us. And again, I have links to your shop in our show notes. So everyone go take a look. And follow Fantastic. the Knitted Chickens because this account just makes you smile. Yeah. It makes you happy. Anne-Marie, you are so happy and make Aww. us happy smile. We <laughs> want to thank you again for coming on. It's been such a delight. Oh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. That was the most fun interview. We found out so many great uh, yeah. things about Anne-Marie and she is going to come back. For yeah, sure. we'll look forward to talking to Anne-Marie again in the new year. For sure. We have links to Anne-Marie's Etsy shop and her Instagram in our show notes. Go give her a follow. She's amazing. She's amazing. And get some knitted chickens. Yeah. Okay. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, our 50th episode. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we're going to France to profile the Gournay chicken. Yes, we are. We are chatting with Miss Fiona the Floof Lady. It is our monthly roundtable. We're going to talk about seven reasons your hen has stopped laying. Yes, and a lot of people are going to be wondering why these things. These right, days. exactly. Yeah. Our recipe for cracking the eggs is apple cobbler. We're staying in those fall themes. Absolutely. And then for retail therapy, we're doing a book review. We're going to do an absolutely beautiful book full of amazing animal photography. It's called On the Farm by Eliza Ilazarov. And the heritage stamps that are out these days are based off of this book. Yes. So it's going to be a great book review. The USPS heritage breed stamps. Yes. Yeah. And Eliza did the photography for she those did. stamps. Yes. Yes, she did. And what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.